Chapter 2 The Translation The Church has always taught that the translation process of the Book of Mormon looked like this. Joseph Smith read the Golden Plates like a book, translating the text out loud to Oliver Cowdery, who served as scribe. The context surrounding the translation process raises issues that are not evident to members of the Church. These issues involve the actual translation using a seer stone, Joseph's use of folk magic, and his trouble with the law regarding these circumstances. First, the actual method. Joseph Smith would put the seer stone into a hat and put his face in the hat, drawing it closely around his face to exclude the light. And in the darkness, the spiritual light would shine. A piece of something resembling parchment would appear, and on that appeared the writing. One character at a time would appear, and under it was the interpretation in English. Brother Joseph would read off the English to Oliver Cowdery, who was his principal scribe, and when it was written down and repeated to Brother Joseph to see if it was correct, then it would disappear, and another character with the interpretation would appear. Thus the Book of Mormon was translated by the gift and power of God, and not by any power of man. David Whitmer Contrary to general church teachings, Joseph did not read the gold plates like an open book at all. Rather, during the translation process, he buried his face in a hat that contained a common rock. The gold plates were either covered by a cloth where no one, including Joseph, could see them, or they were in a different location altogether. The church knew the true method all along, yet commissioned works of art and film and used the education system to teach otherwise. I frequently wrote day after day, often sitting at the table close by him, he sitting with his face buried in his hat with the stone in it, and dictating hour after hour with nothing between us. Emma Smith Emma Smith and David Whitmer describe Joseph's use of the seer stone and hat, but this information had all but been buried. In December 2013, the church released an essay addressing the translation of the Book of Mormon issue. Finally, after public criticisms, the seer stone is again mentioned for a new generation of members. An essay on LDS.org titled Book of Mormon Translation states that the other instrument, which Joseph Smith discovered in the ground years before he retrieved the gold plates, was a small oval stone, or seer stone, quote-unquote. As a young man during the 1820s, Joseph Smith, like others in his day, used a seer stone to look for lost objects and buried treasure. On August 4, 2015, LDS.org published an article titled Joseph the Seer. It contains the first ever official image of one of Joseph Smith's seer stones. It is the very same stone Joseph found while digging a well on the property of Willard Chase in 1822. For nearly 200 years, the church has had the stone in their possession, yet never actively taught about it, and in the case of former president of the church Joseph Fielding Smith, has denied its role. Second issue, folk magic. Could Joseph Smith's experiences actually be products of his family's practice of local folk magic? BYU Studies Quarterly describes the Smith family culture when it stated, quote, In frontier America, seer stones or peep stones were commonly used by lost object finders, people engaged in the widespread practice of lost treasure digging, end quote. Director of Center for Western Studies at BYU and President of the Mormon History Association, Ronald W. Walker, put the Smith family's activities in historical context. From colonial times to at least the age of Jackson, Americans dug for magical treasure. 
There were hundreds and probably thousands of these money diggers, all seeking troves of fabled coins, mines, jewels, and other valued prizes. The money diggers placed faith in conjuring elemental spirits, thrice-spoken dreams, seeric gifts, and enchanted treasure. Clearly, the ideas of hidden but guarded treasure, with their secondary and accompanying motifs of ancient texts, animals, boxes, devils, caves, gold, incantations, mountains, and even the ratifying number three, were an ancient bequest. A treasure-finding device used by adepts was a peep, or seer stone, whose acclaimed gifts excelled even those of the divining rod. Such stones seemed to be everywhere and were of every possible description. Joseph Smith's various stones reportedly included a smooth, gray, egg-shaped rock found in a neighbor's well, a second which he reportedly dug up near Lake Erie after espying it in his neighbor's stone, and still others collected from the Mississippi River sands near Nauvoo, Illinois. With most village seers requiring that the light be secluded, this stone-in-the-hat procedure was standard. By this method, an adept could see within the stone crystal a helpful spirit, or the precise locality of the underground treasure. While finding the right moment to dig was important, the need to circumvent the treasure's guardian was crucial. Like its old-world antecedents, the American treasure keeper might be demonic or divine. Or it could be a cat, dog, snake, or some other protecting animal. But generally, the American treasure guardian was a murdered youth, or man whose body had been left with the buried valuables to ensure their protection. Guardian Indians were a frequent motif while a murdered pirate protected Captain Kidd's troves. As Vermont's early 19th century immigration swept into upstate New York, the money-digging frenzy came with it. Such superstition was frequent in the new settlements. The Palmyra Reflector labeled the New York money-hunting mania. Men and women without distinction of age or sex became marvelously wise in the occult sciences. Many dreamed and others saw visions disclosing them, deep in the bowels of the earth, rich and shining treasures. Rumors constantly swirled about hunters' smiling fortunes, which excited still others to further digging. Smith family reportedly found objects as a cannonball, a cache of gold watches, and according to the viewpoint of some of their neighbors, the golden plates which produced the Book of Mormon. Indeed, in ways that are yet to be explored, money digging may have influenced two of the 19th century's major social and religious movements, Mormonism and spiritualism. Its touch on American society was not light. Ronald W. Walker LDS historian Richard Bushman states that like many other New Englanders, they were familiar with searches for lost treasure by supernatural means. Joseph Smith's father was reputed to be one of these treasure seekers, and Joseph Smith himself had found a stone called a seer stone, which reportedly enabled him to find lost objects. Treasure seekers wanted to employ him to help with their searches. One, a man named Josiah Stowell, hired Joseph and his father in 1825 to dig for a supposed Spanish treasure near Harmony, Pennsylvania. The effort came to nothing, and the Smiths returned home, but the neighbors continued to think of the Smiths as part of the treasure-seeking company. By 1825, young Joseph had a reputation in Manchester and Palmyra for his activities as a treasure seer, or someone who used a seer stone to locate gold or other valuable objects buried in the earth. Elder Stephen E. Snow 
Even Isaac Hale did not consent to Joseph and Emma's marriage because Joseph did not have stable employment and had a reputation for looking into peepstones for buried treasure. At one point, Joseph visited Emma's father in an attempt to reconcile for marrying Emma anyway. Forgivingly, Isaac invited Joseph and Emma to make their home in harmony. I said with paternal concern and with some compassion that if Joseph would move to Pennsylvania and give up his old practice of looking in the stone, I would assist him in getting into business. Smith stated to me that he had given up what he called glass-looking and that he expected and was willing to work hard for a living. Isaac Hale the Smith family's use of seer stones to find buried gold treasure was a common folk magic practice in New England. Another issue, trouble with the law. Between 21 and 25 years old, Joseph Smith was arrested four separate times for fraud. Joseph Smith papers displays a trial bill for Justice Albert Neely, where Josiah Stowell brought charges against Joseph for glass looking and was convicted of misdemeanor. Prisoner examined says that he came from the town of Palmyra and had been at the house of Josiah Stowell in Bainbridge, that he had a certain stone which he had occasionally looked at to determine where hidden treasures in the bowels of the earth were, that he professed to tell in this manner where gold mines were at a distance underground, and had looked for Mr. Stowell several times, and had informed him where he could find these treasures, and Mr. Stowell had been engaged in digging for them. Josiah Stowell sworn says that prisoner had pretended to have skill of telling where hidden treasures in the earth were by means of looking through a certain stone. That prisoner had looked for him sometimes. Once to tell him about money buried in Bend Mountain in Pennsylvania, and once for gold on Monument Hill. Jonathan Thompson says that prisoner was requested to look for chests of money, did look, and pretended to know where it was. Smith looked in his hat while there and when very dark, and told how the chest was situated, that the last time he looked he discovered distinctly the two Indians who buried the trunk, that a quarrel ensued between them, and that one of said Indians was killed by the other, and thrown into the hole beside the trunk, to guard it, as he supposed, and therefore the court find the defendant guilty. Court Transcript Some Context BYU professor Ronald Walker states that the events surrounding Joseph and the gold plates were very typical of early 19th century folk magic practitioners. Typical folk magic themes in 19th century New England included divine visitations, visions that recur three times, the devil, buried boxes of gold with spirit guardians, often Native Americans, and seer stones and hats. Joseph Smith's story also included many of the same things, including a visitation from the Lord, a visit from Moroni three times in one night, an experience with Satan, golden plates buried in a stone box that were protected by the spirit of Moroni, who was a Native American, and the use of a seer stone in his hat to dictate the Book of Mormon. If Joseph used a seer stone to defraud people while selling treasure hunting services, then used the same stone to write the Book of Mormon while selling religious services, it speaks to the credibility of his claim. Considering that Joseph did not even use the plates during the translation, Considering that folk magic was common in the New England area, and he had been in trouble with the law for treasure hunting, it seems hard to feel confident in the authenticity of the official translation story.